just have faith that it will work itself out because both of you have a vested interest in the relationship succeeding and both of you really, really want to be loved by the other person. Hey, welcome to the 30 Second Book Club podcast, a place for people who want to read more books and be in a book club, but don't have time to do either. And listen, it's COVID still, so don't don't try. It's not safe. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do the dangerous stuff for you. And speaking of dangerous, you know, when your daughter becomes a teenager, everything kind of changes. She goes from this sweet little girl to a uh, slamming the door. I hate you. I never want to see you again sort of thing. And if you want to make sure that doesn't happen, either well, you're, you're already there. It's okay. There's still hope. Or if you're like me and you've got a young daughter and you're just kind of counting the days when that starts, this is the book for you. It's called How to Keep Your Daughter from Slamming the Door. It's written by Deborah Davis. And Deborah, did this come from, I feel like a book like this would just kind of come from like a personal place. Actually, my daughter said to me, Mom, you can't write this book. I never slam the door. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think that is? Actually, what she used to do was, stomp off to her room and shut the door loudly. And then she'd open it up and said, oh, I didn't mean to slam that. Sorry. And then she'd bang it again. So I, I didn't mean that either. So <laughs> it wasn't exactly the way other people do it, but that was her version. Well, the reason why I was inspired to write this book is because I taught high school for high school and middle school for many, many years. And the only time I saw the parents was when there was a problem. So I'd be in the room with an angry, upset parent and this sullen, defensive teenager. And before we could address whatever the issue is, whether it was behavioral or academic, I'd have to be able to get them to talk to each other first. So I ended up with an arsenal of tools over the years that I used, you know, trial and error. Will this work for this group of people? How about trying this? How about trying that? Until I got really good at it. They'd come in and I just seemed to know what to do. And back then they didn't have a name for it. Now we call it parent coaching. <laughs> Boy, we all need that. I tell you what, I think it's just so important to have someone that's outside of our world to, to say, look, okay, here's what's going on. You don't see this because you got blind spots. And I saw so much of this in your book, just things you think, oh man, what a great insight. If, I, if you just would have taken a second to step outside, you would have realized that, but it's so hard. So let's start here. Uh, you talk about the awesome mom philosophy, and there's three R's to it. What are those? Re-energize, reconnect, and rejoice. Although each chapter has its own set of R's, that's the general philosophy. The thing is, before you can deal with your relationship, you need to deal with you. So that's what the re-energizing is about. You need to focus on yourself, get your feet back under you, get yourself moving strong, and then you can turn around and address the relationship with your daughter. That's the reconnecting part. The relationship was wonderful when she was an infant and she gazed up at you and thought you were the most magnificent thing she had ever seen in her life. And over the years, that might have changed a little bit. So what you want to do is get back to that point where that trust is there, that understanding is there, and you want to reconnect because you are the most important female bond in her life. She needs you to figure it out. And then the third part is to rejoice because no matter how contentious your relationship is with your daughter, you've got so much in common, including your years of history together. You both want the relationship to work out. 
You both want all the problems to magically disappear. You both want to feel valued and admired and trusted. And you both want to be respected. And you both want love from the other person. And not lastly, but finally, I'm just going to add, because it's a huge list, but I'm not including here. You both want to be able to feel like the other person has your back. She wants you to have her back, and you want her to have your back. Hmm. Now, you said um, that you, know, you, you look back to an infant, and you think, oh, everything was great. You know, they're always looking up to me. You know, th there's, there's some space between that and a teenager, of course, but you talk about some signs that we should heed before things get out of control. So what are some of the warning signs? Uh, the big one is, especially if you've got school-age kids, is um, their physical ailments, headaches, nausea, um, temper tantrums, all those things are signs that your child is not coping. Hmm. Uh, that you, if they're having headaches on a particular day, it may be what's going on, like say they have headaches every Monday. It may have something to do with the beginning of school. If they have headaches on Wednesday, it may be because that's the day they have gym. If they have nausea or mood swings or um, are not eating normally, all those are signs that your child is not coping. And instead of being frustrated over things like, this is your favorite meal I made and you're not eating it, what's going on? The key to that is what's going on? Hmm. There must be something going on if you're not eating your favorite food. So how about you and I go for a quick walk and we see if we can sort this out in a little bit, you know, find a way to key into them without making them feel defensive. So let's go here. Every parent's had this experience when you say something and you thought, why did that just come out of my mouth? That, those are the words my mom said. Why did they come out of my mouth? And what should I say instead? Plus, you always remember thinking when you were a kid, I am never going to say that. I am never going to do what my mother did. I'm going to be better than that. So this is what I would do. First of all, you are a product of her parenting. There's no escaping that. Okay, so you have learned go-to behaviors based on her go-to behaviors. And she is a product of her mother's parenting. So... First thing I would do is assess the situation. I would write down all the things that your mom did that worked, that you approve of, that you think are great. Mm -hmm. And then make a separate list of all the things that she did that you think, oh, no way, that's terrible. No, no one should be doing that to a child. The first list, the things that your mom did that were great, circle all the ones that you do because Good, good for you. That's great. And then the list where the things that your mother did that you don't approve of is cross off the ones that you don't do. And again, congratulations, because those are the things you said you were never going to do and you're not doing them. That stuff that's left, that's your homework. You need to go back to that stuff and you need to say, all right, I need to change this. And I, I vote for transparency in terms of your kids, that you say, you know, I just sat down and I made these lists about the things that my mom did, and I noticed that there are a couple of things I do that I didn't think she should do, and I don't think I should be doing, but I think I'm doing them. Hmm. So do you have any things to add to this list? And don't get your feelings hurt. This is just your kids telling you what it's like from their point of view. 
and then say to them, I'm going to try to change this and give them a little phrase that they can use to help you on your way. Like um, if you're a door slammer and you don't want to slam the door anymore, then tell your daughter to say something like, mom, you said this isn't the kind of person you want to be. It will interrupt the flow of the anger that you're having. And it will also interrupt that habit that you don't want to do anymore. So if it does make you mad, just excuse yourself and go do something else. Take a walk, scream into a pillow, um, cook something, you know, pound a chicken, whatever. Then um, when you have stepped away, come back. And then you can start over on the topic at hand. But if you're transparent with your kids, then they can help you not perpetuate that cycle that your mother was in. So there's so many uh, messages with social media and everything that are just bombarding your daughter, teenage daughter, every single day. And I thought it was interesting. You talk about, you know, who the most important female is in your daughter's life. Who is that? It is the mother. And she is, when you're younger, when the mother, when the child is younger, the mother is her whole world. And as she gets older, that world gets shared with the media. And I'd like to say it gets shared with school and all that stuff, but it seems to me that the media has a bigger influence on your daughters than the school does. Plus, the media is affecting all of her friends. And mm -hmm. so she's getting the influ influence of the media indirectly through them. So if you want to maintain that, place in your daughter's life so that she's you're the one she goes to when there's trouble instead of her her teenage peers that are counseling her from all the expertise of you know 11 years <laughs> being a child then you need to be able to know who your daughter is so that you know how to approach her so first of all if your daughter and you bang heads constantly i believe that that might be due to a difference in your personality types or your learning styles and you can go online and find lots of free personality quizzes that you can do just make sure it's not vocabulary intensive so that your younger children can take it and or you could do like on my website I have um, the Georgia Department of Education's learning styles inventory so you can take that and find out what your learning styles are because if your styles are different then you are expecting your child to act and react in a particular way that makes sense to your style. And she's expecting you to act and react in a way that makes sense to her lifestyle. And if you are missing each other, then that's where a lot of contention stems from. So like, for example, a real quick example is if you are an auditory learner, then you take in information auditorily and you process it that way and you do your relationships that way and you interact at work that way if your child is a visual learner which 65 percent of the world is then your child does relationships that way and interacts that way and learns that way so you've got your child sitting on the couch and you come in as an auditory person and you say um take out the trash when the movie's over, 
And the child says, oh, okay, and goes back to watching the movie. And, you know, three hours later, the movie's over, the child's in another room, and the trash is still in the garbage can. So for a visual child, that child's not trying to, you know, throw it in your face. I'm not taking the garbage out. They didn't mean to cross you. That just wasn't in their realm. But if you take a sticky note and put it on the table in front of them, says trash, when the movie's over, they'll see the note and they'll go, oh, yeah, and they'll take the trash out. So that's a point of contention that didn't have to happen because your styles are different. And by the way, your children are more successful in classrooms where the teacher has a similar style that they have. Hmm. And when, you when your child is struggling in a classroom, sometimes it has to do with the teaching style being different than the child's learning style. And there's lots of ways to bridge that gap, but it's just a heads up if their child's having trouble. So let's go here. Something you're taught, speaking of school, something that I don't know uh, us adults probably have used since school, the Venn diagram. And you say that's actually a solution to teenage tirades. Oh, my gosh. I love the Venn diagram. <laughs> For those of you who don't know it by name, that's when you have an, an, one circle intersecting another circle and the overlapping part is what you have in common. So I got to say that when I finally figured out I could use it on my daughter, things just got quite sparkly in our relationship because there were th certain things that we banged heads on. Like when we went clothing shopping as a very young child, you know, like seven, she wanted to wear outfits that showed her little belly. And I was like, no, not to school. <laughs> so we ended up employing the Venn diagram. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I say, this is all the clothes that you love, and this is all the clothes that I love. And what we're going to get is this part right here that overlaps. So there's no, not going to be any arguing because you're going to end up loving everything that you have. Hmm. And um, there are a couple of rules we're going to follow. First of all, this is my shopping rules. You have to try on everything that I say because we're not getting it if you don't love it. And second of all, I have to let you try on everything you want to. Because, and not argue with you because we're not going to get it if I don't like it. So we'd be shopping and trying on everything. And every now and then she'd say, oh, I really want this. And I'd say, no, 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 don't go to the negative place because you know you're going to love everything that you get. And she always did, you know, and you got home and was showing her clothes off to daddy and she loved it. She didn't remember the things she left behind. So the Venn diagram saved us a lot of trouble. And if you want to try the Venn diagram, the easy way to start is doing um, movies. You know, have her make a list of her 10 favorite movies and you make a list of your 10 favorite movies. And then you share them and you create the Venn diagram. The ones that are just yours, you put in your circle. And the ones that are just hers, you put in her circle. And the ones that you both have on your list, you put in the middle. And if she sees one on your list that she really loves, you put that in the middle because that right there, that middle part is your common ground. And that's what you guys have in common. And then what I suggest is pick one, watch it together and, you know, hang out and make a memory. All right. One more question for you. So let's, I, I mean, this book, I'm sure when uh, moms buy that, I think sometimes, especially as parents, you know, we, we, we don't preventively treat things like this. This is, you know, the example of, okay, we're in the ER, we have a critical condition with our parenting situation. 
Yeah, what would you say to a mom that's afraid she's just messed up so much with her daughter to be able to mend the relationship? Well, the first thing is don't worry about it because you have history of things that were good and then you just have this moment in time where things aren't good. So over, over time, it will balance out. And statistically, they have found that 80% of the contentious relationships between moms and daughters are fine when the daughter has grown and it's become a mom herself. The question is, do you want to have all that contention now? Because that's what the book does, is it helps you avoid that, <clears throat> that section of your life. So um, the good news is if you screwed up, you go to your daughter and you say, I screwed up. I made a mistake and I want to be forgiven for it and I am going to make it better. And if I don't know how to fix it, I will find somebody who does know how to fix it. So be transparent, say that this is not the way you want things to go and that you're going to do what it takes to make things better. And just have faith that it will work itself out because both of you have a vested interest in the relationship succeeding and both of you really, really want to be loved by the other person. So Marcia Dussel had her life mapped out. She was going to practice law and shape public policy only to have God interrupt her plans and issue a call that took her in a completely different direction. So her journey led her to the realization that the Lord is an out-of-the-box God with out-of-the-box ideas, and he's constantly stretching us to new heights. So with that inspiration, she wrote a book called Called to Inspire to encourage you to think outside the box too and think about the big plans God has for you. And she's going to be in the 30-second book club next week.